You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 643. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups, candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup. Buddy, elf. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Have you ever wanted to learn from a Hollywood blockbuster screenwriter or even an Oscar winner? Well, I wanted to put together a free three-day screenwriting video series taught by legendary screenwriters, David Goyer, from who wrote The Dark Knight, Nia Valduras, who wrote The Big Fat Greek Wedding, Oscar-winning Callie Corey, who wrote Thelma and Louise, and Oscar winner Paul Haggis, who wrote Casino Royale. If you want access to this free class, head over to bulletproofscreenwriting.tv forward slash free. Today's show is also sponsored by Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, how to turn your independent film into a profitable business. It's harder today than ever before for independent filmmakers to make money with their films, from predatory film distributors ripping them off to huckster film aggregators who prey upon them. The odds are stacked against the indie filmmaker. The old distribution model of making money with your film is broken and there needs to be a change. The future of independent filmmaking is the entrepreneurial filmmaker or the film entrepreneur. In Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, I break down how to actually make money with your film projects and show you how to turn your indie film into a profitable business. With case studies examining successes and failures, this book shows you the step-by-step method to turn your passion into a profitable career. If you're making a feature film, series, or any other kind of video content, the Film Entrepreneur Method will set you up for success. The book is available in paperback, ebook, and of course, audiobook. If you want to order it, just head over to www.filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. Well, guys, this is our Christmas episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. And today we have on the show filmmakers Janine and Michael Damien, who are the director and producer of the number one Christmas movie on Netflix, Falling for Christmas starring Lindsay Lohan. And we had a fascinating conversation about how they got their start in the business, who they worked with. I mean, some of the stories that you're going to hear in this episode are pretty insane. Uh, Some of the people they've worked with in the course of their career and how they've been able to transition from where they were in the business to directing and producing. And why do they love Christmas movies so much? Because they keep making them again and again. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Janine and Michael Damien. I'd like to welcome the show, Janine and Michael Damien. How are you guys doing? Hi. Alex, hi. So nice to be here. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you for coming on the show. This is like a Christmas special episode because I haven't had a, like a Christmas heavy filmmaking, you know, partnership on before. I mean, looking at your (laughs) filmography, you guys are fairly obsessed. Uh, <laughs> we should have some decorations yes, in here. Right. I just realized we don't have any decorations in this no, room. No, we have Christmas. Christmas heavyweights before that. Yeah, cool. we're, we're honored. We'll take it. We'll take it, buddy. <laughs> so before we get started, Janine, I have to ask you one question. What was it like working on the set of Captain EO? <gasps> Whoa. You know what? That was a career highlight, I have to say. Um, for, everybody, that- for everybody listening, Captain EO was a short film directed by Francis Ford Coppola, produced by George Lucas, starring Michael Jackson in 1983, something like that, 84, 85. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. In, that, in that world, so yes. when Michael Jackson was basically at the, they just made a, they made an amusement park ride around Michael Jackson at that point in time. That's how big it was. They did. And wow. it was, I remember seeing it at Epcot and many times, and I've watched it online ever since, but I've never spoken to anybody who was on set. What was that like? It was it was phenomenal. You know, the production design was by the production designer who did Blade Runner. So, yes. um, so there was all that steam and all this crazy smoke, and it, and and um, it was really loud actually. And Michael had to speak with to everybody with his with a microphone. And there, and when we first 
we actually hadn't rehearsed with Michael. We we rehearsed without him, and then he came up out on set. And the very first take, you know, you've got Francis Ford Coppola yelling action. You've got George Lucas, who's created this 3D camera for this movie, and and bleachers for guests like Elizabeth Taylor, Nick Cage, and you know, it was just this celebrity bleacher over there. And Wait, I was in the bleacher. And Michael was in the bleacher. I got to invite Michael because Michael was a celebrity too. Yeah, so I was there watching it. And they yeah. um. And so when he yelled action, Michael Jackson goes, and it was rainbows flew out of him and it blew all our hair back. And we all messed up the choreography the first take and they had to redo it. Um, but it was really amazing. It was an amazing experience. So it's, that's one of those special ones. I mean, it's like a, it's a, it's such a, like George Lucas, Coppola and Michael Jackson, all of like, with a short film with an insane budget that never would have had happened any other way other than if it was an amusement park ride like it's i mean angelica houston was was the was the wicked witch as well that's right i forgot she she just did such a great job i can't recognize her but she was there yeah she was terrifying and fabulous (laughs) tell them about um the music wasn't loud enough when they first started and michael jackson couldn't feel the music and the rhythm and so he quietly so he gets he gets on the microphone and he says, you know, I'm sorry I can't feel. It. I, I'm not going to try to 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 do an imitation here. But anyway, he says, I'm sorry I can't feel the rhythm of the music, and until I can, I can't work. So thank you very much. And then he and Macaulay Culkin, who he keep brought with him, um, left, and we all stood there and said, okay, what's happening? And so they said, well, we're going to take a break. And while we're waiting, they bring in these ginormous stacks of Marshall speakers that go from all the way to the, to the ceiling and go to the soundstage. And that, and then the music was so loud that, you know, we came back in and Michael was happy. Everybody's happy. We're shooting. And then we get a visit from next door and they were shooting um, Matthew Broderick um, and Ali Sheedy in war games. War games. Is that the yeah. movie? Yeah. In war, war games. games. And they said, well, we hear you, we're over here, so we can't work now. And so we had to stagger our shooting between War Games. It was either War Games or, uh, I think it was War Games. No, it's War Games with John, John Badham directed yeah. that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, so that was kind of, that was, I don't even know how they worked that out, but they worked mm-hmm. it out to where we actually rotated who was going to shoot when. That's awesome. So, That's insane. I know. That is- it's a great story though and it was really um it was intense and amazing and we had a phenomenal photographer so how long did you guys shoot for by the way um it was, it was i'd say a month that we were wow. on i mean it was also it was uh we had rehearsals as well and then they shot up shot a bunch of stuff without us without the dancers so um was, that was a big production. we were on that show for I, I i was on it for a month but i don't i don't actually know <laughs> Well, I had when I saw that on your filmography, I had to ask you. So thank you for indulging me. I appreciate that. <laughs> now, how did now how did you guys meet and start collaborating and working together as a direct producers? Oh, how, how did we meet? Well, we met on an airplane and I thought that Janine's dad was her boyfriend because I didn't know at the time. And I later found out it was her dad. and It was awesome. And I was like, oh, great, because it was one of my favorite actors, James Best, Roscoe from the Dukes of Hazard. So oh I was like, he's got himself a young girlfriend. I like her, <laughs> but I want to make her mine. So I started thinking Jesse's girl, Roscoe's girl. No. Uh, and we met in uh, Plain to Utah, uh, going to the Osmonds uh, Children's Miracle Network telethon. And uh, that's where we first met. And then um, we started writing together. Janine was dancing. You know, she was on the show Solid Gold. She was Dancing with, as you know, Michael Jackson, Prince, uh, uh, you know, George Michael, Elton John, Diana Ross, Lionel Richie, the list goes on and on and on, a mile long. And so I was doing uh, Young and the Restless and my music career, uh, rock, you know, tours and uh, uh, Broadway and all that. And we just started, we started writing together. Uh, we, we started with a script, a short story script, right, actually, in New York. Yeah. We started it there. And... Well, Michael started, he wanted to... Um, he wanted to try the other side of camera. So he actually was the impetus to us 
trying to write together. Actually, he was writing and he said, well, we can write. And I said, well, we can't write. We're not writers. Well, Janine really helped me a lot. <laughs> well, you are. She's a natural writer. He doesn't take no. He doesn't put limits on himself. And so it was really amazing the way we made that career pivot uh, together. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But it started yeah. small and then yeah. um, just kept going. Can we just now, Michael, if I, it, Michael, if I may correct you, it's Roscoe Pico train. If you, if you, yes, Roscoe Pico train. Yeah, yeah, you got to put Pico train. Pico train back in the day. Oh my gosh, solid gold. I remember watching that growing up. My God, that's I'm, I'm going back for Michael Jackson. Yeah, all those. Roscoe was Quentin Tarantino, who was in Janine's dad's acting school. And he was one of the oh. students. Oh, yeah, so he's the, he was the one that was teaching um, Quentin yeah. how to act back in the day yeah. when he was trying to be yeah. an actor. And he was encouraging them to write their scripts. And he brought scripts in from Reservoir Dogs. And Janine would rehearse the scenes with him because, you know, she was just really an actor. Nice. Yeah. And she would always, she was very kind to everyone. And she was rehearsing dialogue in these scenes. You're like, it's kind of weird. All these characters with bizarre names and Mr. What were the Wasn't it Pink, Mr. Blonde? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mr. Payne. Yeah, she was like, this is kind of wild, you know, but he's really, you know, passionate about, you know, Clint, acting. And never heard of this guy. Did he ever, did anything ever come out of him? Did he ever do <laughs> anything else? No, never heard from him again. <laughs> never heard from him again. Oh, oh Hollywood. Knows who he is. Just saw him at the world. world. Yeah, I just see him at the Oscars all the time. <laughs> Anytime you write something, you just see him at the Oscars. <laughs> right. Oh, he's amazing. I love Clint. So those are all really fun. These are all the movie experiences, you know, that we grew up in our, our background, you know, with Janine, when I say dance, uh, it, it's really important because she worked with Barry Levinson. She worked with, uh, so the list goes on and on some great people. And I got a chance to work with Gary Marshall and a lot of uh, oh. fabulous TV directors. And, uh, so, you know, this was our background. We were take we were like sponges, uh, not really knowing, not realizing at the time, this would be transferred to the other side of the camera. We were just taking it all in as performers and, uh, and, you know, great experiences and, and always listening. Uh, and, you know, uh, I had a great opportunity working with Andrew Lloyd Webber for two years uh, when I did Joseph on Broadway. And that was an amazing experience. So we got, we got all these, you know, these amazing mentors and that's really kind of, that's where it started. So, I mean, you, it was just pretty much osmosis at this point. You were just kind of absorbing it all, just being on set. Yeah. From, yeah. the, from masters, I mean, you're talking about legends. It, yeah. Just, yes, exactly. It's really inspiring and a little intimidating, but but awesome at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I can only I can only imagine being on set and just watching these these masters work, and then just not knowing that this would all ever do anything else for you, other than like, oh, you know, it's nice that I worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber and and Parvel Hoven. Fans, they were fans. They were like. It was great. And it's really great too. You know, we ran into Paul a couple of times and Paul Verhoeven. And it was really wonderful to see uh, how he reacted uh, when, when he saw Eugene. It was, it was. What did he say? He was really nice to me. Yeah. So that was a, that was a really fun experience working with him. Cause he's kind of a little bit of a different personality than what I oh. had worked with before. They worked on basic <laughs> Basic Oh, I know. I saw that too. I was going to ask you about yes, Basic Instinct. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you worked on Basic Instinct. You know, it's so funny. But I have a funny Paul story, Paul Warhoven story. I, I reached out to his people a, a year a year or two ago. I'm like, hey, would you like to come? I'm a huge fan, Paul. You know, would you like to come on the show? And his agent goes, uh, Paul uh, is going to respectfully decline. Actually, I'm putting the respectfully in because he thinks podcasts are absolute shite. And, oh, no. <laughs> and oh I God. said, that is perfect. Because that's Paul Verhoeven. He's that's, well, he he doesn't play fun. That's for sure. And, you know, he's just honest. Oh, he's so honest. But he yeah. made some of the greatest movies. I mean, just whatever, Mr. Verhoeven, whatever you like. But I just thought that was such a wonderful way. Of... <laughs> it made it made so much Pretty sense funny. coming from him. It just like because I've known, like I've heard stories about him and just seeing his interviews. He's just a he's an intense dude. But that's how he made his movies back back in the day. So they're great. Now, all these years that you guys have been in the business, I kind of believe that it wasn't all happy-go-lucky puppy dog tails and unicorns uh, the entire ride, right? I'm assuming as, as actors and performers, well, as actors and performers on, on one side of 
of the camera is one thing. And you guys get just the nose, the amount of rejection that you get as an actor. I'm assuming that prepped you for the moment you said, hey, I want to be a filmmaker. And people are like, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Pretty much, right? That's the biggest no you get, actually, yeah. because yeah. Um, I think that I, I think that today they're much more open to people crossing over. Yeah. And um, but at that time, you didn't you, I mean, you did yeah. film or you did TV or yeah, you that was it. or yeah. you did Broadway. Yeah. And um, and Michael is he's just <laughs> he, he he the other day was saying to me, he's like, cross, he's like, I'm just better at denial than you are, <laughs> yeah. you know. I, I cross the streams like in Ghostbusters. It's like, you know, when, when I was doing the music, like, well, you can't act and do music. And I, was, I just didn't understand why I couldn't do that. And then it was about, well, you can't do this and then do Broadway. That's just not how it works. And so all these kind of things, you know. Uh, when just, we started, actors weren't really directing so much. No, um, and now that I have to say that we've really yeah. evolved and, yes. um, as, as in the entertainment community. And yeah. and I think the streaming services have helped also to sort of to to make it an easier flow to move from yeah. one, you know, one side of the camera to the yeah. other. Yeah. But you're right. That was a really big no. As a matter of fact, we actually yeah. had to go to France before somebody would let Michael direct something because he was Man. the most popular in France than anywhere else in the world at the time. And we thought, well, where's my accent? Where can we go where you have the most heat? Yeah. And that was France. Yeah. Yeah. And we developed a, a pilot. Uh, with TF1, um, it took quite a while because everything had to be written in English, translated back into French, and then back into English again. And we had to do it in two languages, and shoot, and they, shoot in two languages. And it was a, it was a, an adventure, but it was a great experience, and that really got the ball rolling. That, yeah, that was actually and the first. From there, the first we, were, real we were off and running. Well, Michael, I mean, I, I completely understand it because I can't walk the streets in Japan. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm joking. I was gonna. I was going to say, I've seen you before. <laughs> I was in Japan. I saw pictures of you everywhere. It's, it's funny. It's funny. I was doing the, the, uh, the alcohol ads, uh, the whiskey ads, just like, um, just like Bill oh, Murray I did. did those. Those yes. <laughs> I did one of those with John Travolta. Can't you hide? Did you, did you do, you must have an insane amount of stories. I mean, things you could say on air and things you could say off air. <laughs> he was riding horses in, in commercials. Knife wheeling, ice pick wheeling. No, but the Can't You High commercial was yeah. was back when so celebrities were doing J Japanese commercials when you didn't do television commercials in America back then. Yeah, back right. when you no no for yeah, for an alias and there was no YouTube or there was no internet, so it stayed in Japan. Exactly, yeah, nobody exactly. knew that they were doing them. Yeah, except oh, I, I, you're giving away John Travolta's secrets now, honey. Uh, tr trust me, he's he's fine. He's done he's okay. okay. He's, 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 he's gonna be all right. Okay, <laughs> I think. I think the cat's out of the bag on that one. That's all right. I, think, yeah. no, I, so, I remember Quentin doing some like commercials over because in Japan he he was huge after all the you know Pulp Fiction and all that stuff, and he would do commercials over there too. And I've seen some of them. It's just like the weirdest. They have weird commercials in Japan. <laughs> I mean, just weird. Well, was your was your you know, weird? It was weird. It was at the Hilton Estate in the pool, and we had. Um, for some reason, they put bunny tails on us and 50s swimsuits and beach balls. Sure. And I'm thinking what John was doing. And Dancing. then there was another one where we were riding rockets. And this was on the soundstage. We, we did a couple with him. And they put these crazy um, wigs and they put only bottom fake eyelashes on us. It was really, you know, and they were like fashion forward. <laughs> That's a very polite way of saying it's weird. <laughs> to the director, they said, put this on. And you said, okay. <laughs> So, so once you got it, once you got that first production off in France, um, which is it's fascinating because I've heard that from so many actors that they go overseas because they can't, they won't get a shot here. But overseas, they're much more open. Even back then, to actors are like, oh yeah, he's a big star here because we weren't watching him and you know all that kind of stuff. After you got done with that, did that open the door here for some projects? Well, no, because then we were back in America and then the nose kept coming, but you just have yeah. to keep pushing, you know? Just, so, yeah. so let me ask you this then. How did you guys keep moving? I always love asking that question. How did you guys keep moving forward when you keep constantly getting nose and nose and nose? And I remember that time. I remember, you know, I was, a, I was young coming up in the 90s uh, as a director. And I remember everyone was, you had to be in a box. You couldn't move back and forth between things. 
you know, like I was, I came up in the commercial world and like, if, if I happened to do a Spanish language commercial, my agent would tell me you're done. You have to, then you can't do general market. I'm like, what, what? Like, oh, we can't, we, you, you didn't get the job. Why? Because you never had, you never shot anything with any dialogue in it. I'm like, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I, a camera, just speak. I could, I, I don't, it didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. Like you have to like, everyone's so boxy and everything. So how did you, during that time? Well, actually, indie movie. well, actually let's back up just a little bit. If you don't mind, we, we did a short film and this was really great. We, we put together a short film. So we had some in the show and Janine produced it and, and I directed and we wrote it, but what was great about it was that Janine did all of the producing and the line producing. So she literally had to learn on the fly, hire everybody, ensure the film, Every camera single packages, the grip trucks, this. I mean, she she really it was like a super master's quick class on on you know how to produce and you know run a budget. And and I was, you know, doing the same thing and we were working together. And we picked a lot of people's brains. I was over at Burns and Sawyer, uh, harassing them there every day. After Young and the Restless, sure. yeah, I would leave Young and the Restless. I'd do my shoot my scenes. That was his. That was his yeah. school. And I'd go over there, and I would, <laughs> I would just harass them. Uh, they were so nice to me, and I just, I said, can you, can I see the inside of the thirty-five millimeter? Okay, now what? Now what is this? Now how do we load this? And these guys were, they were showing me everything, and I just sat and learned how to load. Uh, learned how to shoot, bought my own cameras, and started shooting. And we and we were so, and we started making stuff, you know. So then, but then I guess the, our the first project yeah. that we did in America was, was that we, we but then we came back and we raised money. Well, Michael raised money, and we shot an indie film. It was like, well, no one's gonna go in. Yeah. And then we sold it after. Yeah, we did a very and then, modest. Then we were off and running. Yeah, we did a modest, you know, uh, indie film. Uh, met fabulous producer uh, named Brad Cravoy, who makes a lot of movies. You know, Brad, Dumb and Dumber. He's the guy that made that film happen. And he, he bought the movie. Yeah. And so he bought that short film and sold it worldwide. And then we. We've been working together. We, since. Yes. we worked with him on Falling for Christmas. So yeah. Yeah. We, it's he's actually Brad was the one who yeah. was the big turning point in our career. Yeah. Then Brad. Brad introduced us to 20th Century Fox. Fox hired us for the Flickas, the prequel to Marley and Me. Uh, and so uh, we just sort of, again, networking through people and working with people and building up. Uh, you know, you just have to, you gotta, it's great that where we started and we were able to, to, you know, inch up the budgets and get higher and higher with the budgets and take on bigger responsibilities. And, uh, it's been, but still understand the value and understand the the value because when you raise your own money and you're working on that, it really teaches you a a lesson on, Oh yeah. And, and really how to, and putting your own personal money into, into it. And we've learned a lot. Which which you don't do. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, no. We don't do that anymore. We used to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but we used to, but but it really helps you yeah. respect. Of course, respect every dollar you put into a film, and that's why, uh, you know, we're always asking a lot of questions about stuff. And can we get this? And do we have to? And you know, what's that going to cost? And is there any other options? Because uh, we love it, but it's too expensive. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh. Well, it's it's nice that Brad was like the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room that kind of opened the door. And you know, you need everyone needs a champion. Everyone needs a champion. I mean, and it's many times I've interviewed so many filmmakers on this show, Oscar winners and everyone in between. They they always have a champion. They always have either a, someone who's crazy, like the yep. producer of Oliver Stone, who was like, Go make, go make this the Vietnam movie. Here's six million. Nobody would give it to him for 20 years. And they yep. and then he goes off and makes platoon and then the rest is here. Do you ever have a crazy 800 pound gorilla or or an 800 yeah. gorilla is very skilled or both <laughs> we're gonna yeah. see something in you you know yeah. exactly I, I think and and brad was like i really would love a christmas script can you write a christmas script so that brings said, me okay. to my next question <laughs> what is this this obsession with christmas guys seriously you're out of control like no i, just, <laughs> no, I look well, at your look at your filmography i'm like christmas 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 but i'm like i think i, I think i see a pattern here so this is what I mean, it's it's great and it's fun. And I see the I mean, obviously the Marley and me and the Flickas and that thing. But then recently it's just been Christmas, 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 Christmas. I know the new movie coming out with Lindsay's next one is the the, the Irish Bri- the Bride movie. Irish little, Wish. Yeah. 
I would, yeah, it's not exactly. a Christmas movie. Not no, a Christmas movie. Not a Christmas movie. Yeah, so we broke... Anyway, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, it's a... Well, well we, well, we love doing Christmas movies. So, I mean, you know, the first one was because we actually love Christmas and, and are big fans of, of, of Christmas movies. Yeah. And we thought, well, let's make one and see if everybody will watch ours every year. Yeah, let's do it you like know? at a castle and let's go to Europe and shoot it at this beautiful castle. And see, let's find someplace. And, and Brad said, go, I'll, I'm going to send you, I found you. He sent us to Romania. Go to a castle, a castle in Romania. And here's, here you go and make the movie. And it was- He eight, got us, uh, you know, Roger Moore. Got us Roger Moore. We, we found we, Sam Hewlett. Sam Hewlett. It was awesome. Yeah, Sam, Sam, nobody knew who Sam was. And we were telling back to the stage, like, we have this, this guy is amazing. And he's going to be a megastar. And like, oh, really? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. And Sam is obviously has, you know, exploded. And, uh, but as Janine said, Roger Moore, I mean, Brad is like, I know Roger Moore. Do you want James Bond in the movie? You're like, yes. How do we get him in this movie? And, and uh, so it was a, it was an awesome movie and it went number one. So then we be, then we were sort of you know we were proven in Christmas films and and a lot of requests for a lot of Christmas yeah requests. and so um go where the work have, is and they're beautiful <laughs> and fun and they're inspiring and hopeful and um so why not you know <laughs> you go where the work is hey you know if you people are like what you, you know it's that's the that's one of the big mistakes I've heard from a lot of people on the show that I've talked about they like they get a big hit in something and they're like uh Christmas no I. I want to do horror now. I don't want to do Christmas. Movies. I just want to go into horror films because that's where my passion is. Like, no, just stick to Christmas a little bit longer and then go off and make something else up. But you have to establish yourself on a path of success before you can start, you know, yeah. you know, so playing bait. In other words, Michael Jackson can jump, Michael, Michael Jordan can jump from basketball to baseball because he was Michael Jordan. He shouldn't have, we all agree. But he, <laughs> but he could because he had established himself. Yep. He took a shot. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. God, I forgot about that. that, yeah, but, that like, but imagine after his rookie year, he's like, you know what? I know I'm like the greatest, but I, I really want you needed a little time. So that's a, a lesson that people should take away. If you're lucky enough to have a lot of success in one arena, stay, stick with it. Um, and you got to love it, too. It seems like you guys do love it, though. You do love the Christmas. We do love it. I mean, if it was if it was something that we were really unhappy doing, then yeah. I'm sure that we would, you know, look up another way to kind of transition out. But we really. We really do like we love we we love rom coms in general, and also what's happened is is that rom coms sort sort of had you know they sort of kind of fell out of fashion and they're now coming back again. But they but Christmas is always rom com, yeah. so yeah. so for us we yeah. thought well that's great well we can stick with rom com you know if it, if we stay in Christmas then we can still do our rom com. I mean now exactly. it's starting to have a resurgence again. So um, so Irish Wish is not Christmas and it's still a rom com. <laughs> right, exactly. And and in the days of, of when Harry met Sally and Sleepless in Seattle, where oh, the studios were making these big yeah. rom-coms, they don't, like, or My Best Friend's Wedding, the, those don't exist anymore in the studio system. Not really. Now it's all Netflix, Hallmark, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. you know, these mini yeah. studios. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yep. They're the ones, yeah, they're the ones making the, the rom-coms and the, the bigger studios are more on the franchise, uh, franchise action, and, uh, you know. I mean, I think well, like, Amy Schumer's doing stuff and, you know, Rebel Wilson a little bit. You know, I mean, I think they're starting to kind of come back in a more offbeat way, but you know, not quite the classic rom com like they were back then. But um, Irish Wish is, is, I think, more what what people are thinking of when they think of Lindsay yeah. Lohan. Yeah, that's I think that's it's right. exactly what fan base is looking for because it's not the Christmas genre. It really is more of a classic rom com. Yeah. So let me let, let's talk about your your latest film, Fall, uh, Falling for Christmas, which I, I saw on Netflix before I even knew you because like my, my wife and I were looking. I'm like, oh, this will be a great family film. And we got the girls there and we started watching it. And it's just a fun, you know, Saturday night, you know, everyone around around the campfire kind of watching movie. And it was so it was so beautiful. It looks gorgeous. Uh, and I was I was asking you before we got on. I'm like, is that a real place? Did you build the set? Like and I'm like analyzing. I'm like, it, it, I think it's because my wife was like, I don't know. It looks. I think it's real. I'm like, yeah, I think it's real too. So I like, but there's some sets there. They built some stuff there, but it's not like a completely, it's not the Grinch that stole Christmas built yeah. the entire world scenario. Right. But, it was, yeah. but it was beautiful. So how did that, how did, did, did Netflix get involved first or did you make it and then get Netflix? How does that work? No, this was our first movie with Netflix and we were really excited when they, uh, they approached us um, with the script and Lindsay attached. So oh, nice. Um, yeah, so we and were, with Brad, 
our, our wonderful Bragg's yeah. involved. 800 pound gorilla, yes. And we all came together. Yeah, and we, yeah. We, and uh, they wanted to, sh and, and what was great was that Lindsay's schedule worked out so that yeah. we could shoot it actually in December. So we shot it in the snow, yeah, in Utah, Deer Valley, Park City, um, Midway. Yeah. So we were able to actually shoot it in the snow. So that made it just that much more authentic. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And the locations that you're talking about are extraordinary because what we found was a gem. It's the Goldner Hirsch in Deer Valley is they have the Austrian side and then they just built this spectacular modern side and there's a passer rail between them. And you know, not to give away all the secrets and the magic of it, but we had some stuff at our that was real physical right there that we had at our disposal that we could really address and 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 work with those structures and they were and they were so close in proximity that we didn't yeah. have to move our base camp so we were able to oh. shoot so we so our days we were able to use our um, our days actually shooting as opposed to moving around <laughs> and then we found the beautiful north star exterior is this charming inn in midway utah called blue bar inn and we uh that's the one you know the 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 north star exterior mm -hmm. you saw that's the blue bar inn and it's and and we did build like the you we know, built the little stable for the horse and the, and the and, work shed and they're still there they, they kept them they asked if they could keep them we said <laughs> sure it's such a person tear them down we didn't tell them that part no we just right. said look and and it's so fun because we go visit uh the blue bar and you go you sit and you have brunch and then there's balthazar there's our set you know, right there his little stable right there <laughs> private little dining area so and this in this film is it if i'm not mistaken it went to number one right on netflix yeah yeah it went number one on netflix and um, in the world and then i think that's it went number one of all streamers of all streaming of all, of streamers all streaming well. services that's insane how did you guys feel after you i mean that's that's a pretty decent accomplishment that was, it was, that was huge. We were really excited. <laughs> we popped some champagne for sure. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, Lindsay is such a wonderful actress. I mean, I've been a fan of her since uh, since she was a kid. And I've, I've spoken to some of the directors who worked with her on like Freaky Friday and and uh, Parent Trap and those kind of things. But she's such a fantastic actress. Uh, and and in this project, she was she was she was great. And she has this fan base that just love her, obviously. Because I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. She's one of those people that we all recognize, we all remember, and we all generally have fond memories of the work that she did, you know, when she was coming up. And I think that's one of the reasons why everyone just gravitated to this film and made it number one around the world, no less. Yes, yeah. you know, and it's multi-generational, her, her fan base. And then yeah. the young people um, are embracing Mean Girls again. And so- Yeah, so that's right, Mean Girls, I forgot. Yeah, everybody's kids and grandkids. And so her her fans, and when we were in Ireland, her fans were young. Like, yeah. There's all these little schoolgirls in their little they're uniforms. Like, they're like 13, yeah, they're like 13, 15 years old. signs. No, her hundreds of them on, you know, on the streets. Yeah, we were like, wow, where is how do they know her? And and like you said, so she just crosses over and and um well deserved because she really is an amazing talent. And we're so excited that she's decided to come back. Right, exactly. And then, yeah, now you have the new movie coming out, which I'm excited to look at. I, mean, I love rom-coms. It's like one of my dirty, deep, deep secrets. I just love walking. <laughs> my dirty secret. I just love walking. It's like rom-coms, but it's a dirty secret. It's a dirty secret. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's like that and, um, and boy bands. Like, I like listening to boy bands. Oh. What am I going to do? What I mean, come on. I don't care. Leave the comments if you want, guys. I don't care. I wear it with pride now. Best friends, the best one, right? I swear. Oh no! Stop it! Don't get me started. I, I'm not, you're not going to get me to sing it on air uh, because then it'll become a meme, and I'm not going to let that happen. But, like the moon and the stars <laughs> stop it! It's already in my head. I can't. Hear, uh, I'll be there. No, I won't be there. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, so I always like asking directors uh, this and producers this: What was the worst day on set? Meaning, like we all have that day that the entire world's coming crashing down around us because that's production. So what was that day for you and how did you overcome that challenge? I know the day. Well, what happened was is that we had no snow and it was oh. December and we all did a snow dance. Oh yeah. And then it snowed so much the, that we couldn't get anybody the up, crew the couldn't get up the mountain. Everybody was stuck down at the bottom of the mountain. We and Janine and I stayed at the top of the mountain. So we lost 
a half a day. That's right. And also, none of our background talent made it up. Yes. Sir. So we had to figure out how to. Yeah, we we had, all the crew had to step in and be and be background for I was, us. I was in a scene like at my, my. Yeah, my it was. <laughs> but it was we really. I mean, it's really hard to maneuver yeah. in a lot of snow. Yeah. And um, so, do you remember the market, the Christmas markets? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. You know the breath that was coming out. It was ten below zero. I was going to say. You know what? My, I literally said my wife, my wife looking at it because we're she's she's become a visual effects expert all of a sudden uh, okay. over the years after being with me. So like she's like, awesome. is that? And she's like, is that real? And I go, they didn't have the budget. This is no way they had the budget to do that digitally. That's not that. That's real. So it's really that cold. I'm like, I promise you, it's probably that cold. And it was. It was. It was. And all that snow. And we were in a watershed, so we weren't allowed to make any snow. So that's why we all had to do the snow dance. We couldn't put any snow on the trees. We couldn't put any, any on the ground on the synthetics. We couldn't do any synthetic anything. Nothing or the snow yeah. bubbles. We couldn't do anything. So yeah. we are, so here we are with a Christmas market, no snow, and then all of a sudden it just yeah. dumped. It snowed three feet, and uh, then we couldn't get anybody up there. We all kind of <laughs> out the snow, and then we couldn't get anybody up there or any of the equipment. But anyway, so that was the most challenging day. Yeah. But so we had to shoot really fast because we lost a half a day. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's all it. So in other words, you showed up with 150 shots on your shot list and you shot 10, basically. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, wide shot here, move the camera yeah. there, and we're out, boys. Let's we're go. Not. Okay, move on. Next scene. Move on. Okay, move we don't on. have the 500 extras. We have 50, okay? So uh, let's put them all over here. Now we're oh, done. Let's get them in other jackets and move them over here. <laughs> I did that all the time. But I, that's the best. I mean, you don't need 500. I mean, unless you're Ridley Scott. I mean, yeah. you don't need five of them. You need a good well, 20 or 30. Yeah. Just fill the screen. Just fill the frame. That's all you need. <laughs> well, we we the that when you watch it, that you can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I couldn't tell at all. No, that was a beautiful little Christmas town. And we, we did get, we finally, they, they came up and what was great is that they actually made it, but it was now 11 o'clock at night. And, and, then, and then we weren't allowed to and sing. And then they the said song. we can't play music after 11. So we had the whole singing <laughs> and the fireworks and with everybody singing and they were all there to sing. And then we couldn't sing because we couldn't play music. So we just kind of, did, you know, it's one of those. We just said, just ask forgiveness. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we said, Let, let's just crank up the music once. We'll probably, once. We'll probably get one take at this. Let's just turn it on, put it on 11, go to 11, sing everybody until they just say stop, you know, the, the, until they pull the power plug on us, you know. So. But, you know, it was Christmas, and it was a Christmas song, and everybody loved it. Yeah, nobody complained, actually. They were so worried about the people in the condos complaining, but nobody was complaining. It's, they were it's just not so like hard. It's not like thrash metal. You guys were singing. No, we were singing that was joy, joy to the, the world. world. Joy to the world. If you and, shut, not, and not joy to the yeah, world. No, and if you shut us down on joy to the world, I mean, what kind no, of town is this? You're going to go straight to hell. I mean, you're going straight to hell at that point. I mean, what's the point? Now, another question I'm asking, um, you know, especially couples who work together, how do you balance? I mean, because it's insane to be in the film industry. How do you balance the work relationship with the personal relationship, especially on set? Because on set is a stressful place. Production is a stressful place. Feelings get hurt. Egos get crushed. You know, how do you, especially working so closely together as a producing directing team, how do you balance that for other, other teams out there might be listening? Want to say something? Well, you know, no, I, go ahead. Oh, I, I think that it starts with the fact that we have very similar um, artistic tastes and tendencies. And so our vision tends to be a cohesive yeah. idea. Um, and we don't really argue a lot about stuff because we, we tend to like the same things and we, and yeah. we tend to want, and, and yeah. a lot of, and especially because we write. You know, most of us ever at least rewrite and polish we, everything we do. Um, we're so close to it; we've already yeah. worked through it. So, we finish a lot of thoughts in writing. Like we'll be writing, and she'll start a sentence, and then I'll just it just comes out. I'm finishing it, and she's perfect. And then I and then and then she does the other character, and then we start to have a dialogue. We start acting out the scenes right there in the office, and so it's. But between uh, the script and then pre-production, yeah, really we're mostly um, we like we're really specific about everything that we want to put on screen. So by the time that we finally get there, I think that we have a pretty good a pretty good idea, and we don't really have a lot to fight about except for fight for something together. Exactly. It's dumb. Exactly. It's all right. 
That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, let me ask you, if there was something that you guys could say, each of you, if you can go back in time and tell your younger self one thing about this business, a warning, if you will, just a little piece of advice at the beginning of the career, what would that be? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Well, I would say, I would say if you really believe in yourself and you really believe in something and, and, and know it to be true, you've, I, I, you're going to hear a lot of stuff down the road and I'll give you my quick, probably my quick story on that, which is my record. When you say that's probably the best about. No, he's saying if you were going to tell yourself something, something different. Something oh, to war, something like, you know, guys, it's going to. Gonna be, it's oh, gonna I thought it was warning other people. I thought it was warning other people something no. would happen to me. No, no, no. Warning, like you personally can go back in time with Marty McFly. You talk to your 16-year-old self and you're thinking about getting into this business and you go, listen, guys, you're going to have a hell of a ride. I can't tell you anything else, but the one thing you should wor wor be weary about is it's going to take a long time. Uh, you're going to have to write. Uh, don't eat carbs. I, I don't know. <laughs> I would say the sooner that you can figure out what what it is, what your yeah. passion is, and what it is that you want to do, um, go for it. And it may it may not present itself right away, but really pay attention to what is meaningful to you in yep. in whatever industry you know within the industry. I wish that I would have paid more attention, and I wish that I would have transitioned out of dancing sooner, um, or at least while I was while I was on camera, I would have paid more attention to what was going on on okay. camera, because, but I didn't know that that's where I was going to go. So I would have been with Michael Jackson and you wouldn't have been with <clears throat> Coppola and Lucas and all those great people. So I you can't say, really, don't, uh... don't waste your youth. Don't waste yeah. your youth. Oh my like, God. If, seize the moment. No, really. I mean, if you want to go yeah. into the entertainment industry, yeah. the sooner, you know, that yeah. you can get in and get work experience and actually dive in there yeah. and, and not, yeah. and not wait for stuff to come to you. I don't know. That's what I would say. That, that, make, that makes perfect sense. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions I ask all of my guests. What advice would you give a filmmaker trying to break into the business today? Be tenacious. <laughs> yes, yes. And creative. Be creative. And, and, if a, you know, and if one door doesn't open, find another door. Because there's a lot of doors available I, now. I would say get on a movie set as fast as you can. Yeah. I don't care where you're going to be because... Janine and I have elevated people on our sets that came in and had no experience. And we just said, you know what? This young person should be over with the production and design team. They're, 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 they're getting us coffee and this person needs to be over there learning because we saw, we saw what was happening. You know what I mean? And so don't get, you get on a set and be, and be a really good troubleshooter and yeah, um, be, be elevate quickly. Yeah, exactly. And be open and listen. And anybody, just any department, engage with them. You know, don't harass them. But you know, like I did with, with Burns and Sawyer about the camera. Now, how was that sprocket doing? No, but you know, you know, there's a point where you're annoying. But but just really be there and be present and listen and pay attention um, is so important. And have positive energy on the set. Mm. Don't you? Don't yawn. Don't yawn. That's a really Please. big one. Yeah, don't ever yawn. Really try not to yawn. Yeah. Go outside, go away, go go in the outhouse or something and yawn, but just don't let anybody see you yawning on the set. <laughs> now, what is the lessons that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film industry or in life? That's a good question. I Okay, mine's the opposite of Michael's, and that's that it. is to to be confident in myself. That I believe in I, yourself I, more. That believe in myself and that I am I am prepared and I am yes. I am worth it. So that it took me a long time to have a lot of confidence in myself. Michael's the most confident person I've ever met. I was just naive. I just thought you you know, my my parents just instilled <laughs> that they just said if you're gonna do it. Go, you know, do it. go all the way. Do not ever quit anything. I don't care what it is. The only thing I did quit, uh, I want to tell you, is that I had a paper route and I had to quit because the dogs attacked me every time I went down the road. My pants were shredded 
Sorry, I just, I've never told anybody in any interview that's the only thing I quit. You didn't answer the question. What was the question? <laughs> the question is. <laughs> so, basically, so basically, Alex, remind me the question. <laughs> what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether the film industry or in life? The longest to learn? I would say probably, uh, um, not to echo you, but I think, I think a lot of it was learn, really just learning and paying attention and, and really picking up all the, all the nuances on the set. I, I could have learned a lot more. Um, I, I did learn, but I think if I would have, I guess I didn't know I was going to be on the other side of the camera. I would have been, I would have been paying a little more attention to certain things, but, um, uh, gosh, good answer. It's a good answer. That's a Easy. good answer. What I say. And, and and also never underestimate the uh, the power of naivete. Uh, it is it is a and very denial is not. It's I, a gift. I, I, it is a gift. It is a gift. But also the um the thing I always tell people is like there is an there's an insanity to what we do. Uh, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane to get a whole bunch of people together, try to tell a story and you know, up a hill with snow and like there's just a, it's an insanity to even believe that we could do this in the first place. So you need that to even just get in on the field to play uh but then when you're you have denial <laughs> and you have naivete, like you're completely clueless along the way but it's very powerful but extremely dangerous yeah, <laughs> you don't need it why i came along <laughs> no but what you got me for no you just that's you've got such learn. a good team you've you know you have us, why are we all such a good team this is why you need yeah, balance you, yeah you gotta you gotta know your stuff and we're we, we like to have a lot of fun but we're really detail oriented we have a plan every single minute and of you know and, and of course the plan is going to go right out the window the minute you get on the set and we now find out that we can't shoot this way because now all the wind is blowing the blue screen into the set and now we have to shoot another thing and you've got to learn how to adapt quickly the most important thing is keep the train moving don't panic find a way to adapt and always keep rolling camera it's really uh, when i see people just stop and and everything just grinds to a halt it's painful uh, mm -hmm. sometimes it's necessary but try try to keep shooting find solutions find something to shoot find solutions and find something to shoot because the, the clock it, it's in the taxi with the meter running and Oof. you've got at the end of the day time is the enemy time is the you know the enemy but um constantly you know have a plan but be prepared for the unexpected. And I think that's what happens almost every day on the set, to be honest with you. And three of your favorite films of all time. Days of Heaven. Star Wars. The Natural. Um, <laughs> Field of Dreams. Oh, I love Field of Dreams. Where's your baseball movie coming out, Mike? You like those? Alex, you like those three? I love, I love all three of those movies. Okay, when is it? But when is, but when is the baseball movie coming out? Reckless up Raleigh's Romeo and Juliet. Yep. And, uh, Lisa Heaven, Romeo and Juliet. And, so. well, because these, these were sort of life forming experiences for me. So, and then also A Star is Born, the Barbara Streisand. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That's a good, that's a, those, that's a good, that's a good set. Those were the ones that I, those were the ones that made me want to get into the film. Can I throw a fourth in there? Sure. Reese. Oh. That was the one that, when I sat in that theater, it just, oh man. I, just, I mean, you want to talk about suspense of disbelief. They were 45 year olds playing teenagers. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. I mean, seriously. What was it? Was it, um, Candid, was that, what's, what's her name? Um, Stocker Channing. She was like 33. Talking about Olivia Newton John? I didn't know. We, listen, I didn't know no, about that. No, I didn't know. I, what care. I love that movie. But like, like we go back and like, they're, they're like 50. What is going on? <laughs> and why are they flying away at the end into the sky? That was never established. Oh, yeah. Like, what's going on? I asked all those questions, just so you know. I like Reese, but I did want to know what was with the age she, thing. She, and she's like you. She was asking me all these. I was like, hey, I don't really care. I just love the movie. Oh, just no, no. I'm, I, all that I'm like, Michael, I'm like you. I completely suspend disbelief. My wife, on the other hand, is like, that's not the way it would happen. I'm like, it's, it's, would you just, can you just enjoy, can you suspend a little disbelief? Like we need to watch, watch movies together, Alex. You and I need to watch movies I mean, together. Because what I just, watch my, 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 Marie Cruz, she, but she's like, 
she just watches it and she like ruins stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's like, oh, that's not the way a doctor's office would be. Cause I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I just let me enjoy. Like she's ruined many a movie for me. And I'm very careful now. Like this is okay. So I, I forced her to watch star Wars. Okay. Michael, I forced all six of them. It, 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 this is years ago, years ago when we first started dating. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And at the end, she goes, I go, she's like, you know, Darth Vader is kind of a punk. And I'm like, how do you, what do you mean? She's like, you know, he's basically the, 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 the um, emperor's like, you know, you know, like lapdog. And uh, he goes around intimidating people with his deep breathing and choking people out with his imagination. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, that is really amazing description of Darth Vader. <laughs> he intimidates people I, with his deep breathing yeah. and chokes people out with his imagination. I was like, you know what? I think, do you want to talk about balance? There's the balance. There's, you always need the Star balance. I, I love Star Wars, too, though. Thank you. I do. <laughs> I, I like Star. I love. Star I sneak off. I, I sneak off, and and, I, and all of a sudden I hear Jenny like, "Are you watching Star Wars again?" It's either that or Indiana Jones, and I, oh, I love Indiana yes. Jones. Okay, I, I really. I love can Indiana add Jones. that as my fourth, my fifth film. Indiana, yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, I, I did see the new trailer. I, I, oh. I'm. I just came out. It just came out like uh, twenty hours ago. I, I, it looks really nice. It looks good. I. Enjoy, I it looks good. I'm I, James Mangold is the director, so awesome. It, it, I have high hopes. I have high hopes that he's not going to be blown up by a nuclear bomb in a refrigerator uh, this time. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we could keep geeking out about movies forever, guys. I appreciate you coming on the show. It's such a pleasure talking to you guys. Continued success. I can't wait to to see Lindsay's new movie and your new movie when it comes. When's that coming out, by the way? Uh, Irish Wish. Um, yeah. Oh, we don't have a release date. Well, we're just editing it now, so um, I, yeah. I I think they'll it'll be forthcoming the yeah. release date, but we're not sure yet. Twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. Yeah, we're we're we'll be done probably around April May with you know when we picture lock and color and sound music and all that should be around May April May. So all right. After that. Well, guys, continue <laughs> success, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank, thank you so much for having us, Thanks, Alex. Thank you. I want to thank Michael and Janine for coming on the show and dropping their knowledge bombs on the tribe today. Thank you so much, guys. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 643. And guys, have a fantastic Christmas, a wonderful new year, and may all your dreams come true in the year to come. Thank you again so much for listening, guys. As always, Keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. Stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com.